0: Well, I didn't wear my happy shirt, but I wore kind of a bright shirt because what we might be talking about might get a little bit heavy, amen? We're going to start talking about the last days, what is happening, what to expect. Um, I told them at the beginning of this, them being the media team, I said, look, um, this might be a 55-part series, I don't know, but we're, gonna, we're just going to dive into it, amen? We're going to take as long as we need to, to take, and uh, so today... We're going to be dealing with the rapture of the church. Some people may say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, you can have that belief. Doesn't make it right. (laughs) And there'll be people out there, there's all kinds of information floating around, but I hope that after today, you're going to have a little uh, better, no, I hope you have a lot better understanding of what's going to be happening in the end times, the last days, and the rapture of the church. Amen? I've got a... um, I told Kara, I said, are you impressed with my slide-making ability? I made a little timeline here, and I wanted to show that if you've got that. And So we're going to talk about this right quick, and then we're going to move into the, to the Scripture. So, hey. All right, take a note. These people are laughing. They're going to be making the slides from now on. We'll just see how easy it is. I got, hey, the fact that I even found Google Slide was good. You know what I'm saying? So the first thing you're going to see in this timeline is the law, all right? So you see the law right there. We know what that was all about. So that's Genesis all the way to Malachi, okay? And that was when the law was given. Now, we're, going to go, we're not going to explain this real robust because we've got to move into the scriptures, but we're going to be kind of referring back to this. There was 400 years between the law and Christ. God did not speak. He was quiet. There was no prophecies coming. There was anything like that. Then Jesus came, right? And when Jesus came... He turned the world upside down, and he's going to do it again. (laughs) So Jesus comes. We see that. Jesus fulfills the law of Christ, all right? And then we start the last days at Pentecost, okay? Pentecost is the beginning of the last days, and God was so precise, we know it happened at 9 a.m. on the year 33 A.D. So so somebody says, uh, when did the last days start? You can say 9 a.m., Year 33 A.D. We have that on some pretty good historical uh, evidence. Um, There's a few people that that, uh, are saying, well, it might be plus or minus, but look, historically speaking, we're pretty sure that is a firm date, okay? Now, when you hear people say last days, you hear people say things like this, well, we've been talking about the last days for 2,000 years, brother. Well, they're partly right. Because the last days is referring to an age, like the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, okay, the Ice Age, all that stuff. We're talking about an age. It's all of this time in here. And you see, we're right here, all right? We're going to explain this further. We're going to get down to some nitty-gritty, some detail. Like I said, you're going to understand what was going on and what is going on and what's fixing to go on, okay? Fixing is a good Arkansas term. So at the end of this, find my button, at the end of this church age, right here is going to be the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about this today. Then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. The the saints up here that have gone on to be with the Lord, they're going to experience the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. This judgment seat, you go, I didn't think we were going to be judged. Yeah, he's going to judge us. It's not going to be like the great white throne, though. The great white throne is going to be the judgment you don't want to be at. (laughs) Okay? This is where the Lord's going to judge us on all the words that we've spoke. Uh Uh-oh. All of our actions, he's going to put it in a big pile and set it afire. And those things that remain, you get to put in your crown. And those things that don't, you just say goodbye. (laughs) They're gone. So then, at the end of that seven years, Jesus comes back. That's the second coming. The Greek word calls it the big event. Isn't that interesting? The Greek word for the second coming is the big event. (laughs) It's going to be big. And then after that, we see the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, Let me just say this. Um, The rapture, the way you tell the difference between the rapture and the second coming, during the rapture, we're going to see this. uh, Jesus does not put his foot, physical foot, on the physical earth. He's in the air, and at the second coming, he is going to put his foot on the earth. The only thing I can tell you, this is an absolute horrible analogy, but it's what comes to my mind. Has anybody ever seen the movie called We Were Soldiers? <clears throat> Mel Gibson. Okay. <clears throat> he is a colonel that's going into Vietnam uh, as the 1st Cavalry Division. They're taking helicopters in, right? And he studied this. One of the things that he says, is he, he tells his men, Men, I'll be the first one on the ground, and I'll be the last one on the ground. And so through the whole movie, they go, and they go to this place, and the Irish music begins, right? you got to have the violins on stuff. And you see him stepping out of the helicopter, Boom! His foot hits the ground, and then they have this huge war scene. It goes on for a few days, and excuse me, he um, at the end of it when they're bugging out, basically, uh, they get everybody loaded up. He asks one of his uh, senior guys, his one of his officers, Hey, what's our count? They counted. They got everybody, and he says, All right, everybody on. Everybody gets on, and you see him grab the helicopter, and he lifts his foot off the battle. I see the Lord doing the same thing, not in that. I said, bad analogy, but I see the Lord coming down, and when he goes, boom, and he puts his foot on the earth, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. So, that's our timeline. <clears throat> now, we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you got your Bibles, go over there real quick. We're going to be in Thessalonians a little bit. We're going to jump around a few other places. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians but it, they're just a few books over from each other. See, I bet you can find them. Hallelujah! You guys are already getting quiet. Lord, I said I didn't want to be quiet. I want them shouting, "Amen, Hallelujah." Amen. Amen. I had to prod it out of you. Okay, let's go to First Thessalonians four, and let's look at verse four. Or excuse me, thirteen. And it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Here's what the um, New Living says. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Now, we're going to kind of go a few steps forward, a step back, and a step forward, a couple steps back, because I want you to see where this thing is all tying in together, okay? Like I said, at the end of the day, I want you to leave here going, you know what? I already knew all this stuff. This just confirmed it to me. Or, man, this has really awakened my heart to what's going on. Amen? So what's going on is that we see Paul, and he's in uh, with the Thessalonians. And what's happened is that the Thessalonians were fairly young believers. They weren't uh, very mature. And so Paul is coming in, and he's giving them some encouragement. And what had happened is that there was some false teaching that had crept in to the Thessalonians' camp, okay, some other people. There was false uh, prophecies that arose. And what it was saying was that the rapture had already taken place, that they had missed it. And you can understand why they would be upset about that, right? And so Paul's uh, assuring them, hey, wait a minute, that's not exactly what's happened, Okay, If you'll flip over a page, and my Bible is just a page, but you go to 2 Thessalonians, and let's go to chapter 2, and it says this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it was from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the work of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all un- unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they will believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's the King, new King James. So he's telling them, look, don't believe all the things that you're hearing. I set you straight last time I was there. Don't forget our teaching, all right? So now we're gonna walk through what Paul taught them. So when we go to, when you see this in verse 2, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1 in 2 Thessalonians, he says, I beseech you. Now, that sounds crazy to us English speakers. We don't greet each other or talk to one of each other and say, I beseech you, all right? Your boss doesn't come in and say, I beseech you that you doeth a good jobeth todayeth, all right? So we kind of look at these words and we go, "What do they mean?" Well, So in the Greek, it means an earnest request by someone with a preferred status. The expectation would be that the request would be heard, honored and obeyed or satisfied. So Paul said, "I beseech you, listen to me." Paul, an apostle of Jesus. Listen." And they're going, We're listening. The old E.F. Hutton, right? Some of you are like, who is E.F. Hutton? He's telling them, boys, I'm telling you something very important. I need you to listen, all right? Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. <clears throat> Starting in verse 13, let's read through verse 18. <clears throat> but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now remember, there's a difference between being ignorant and being stupid, okay? Ignorance as you know no better. Ignorance as you know better and you still do it, right? Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's break that down. In verse 15 it says, those who are still living... In the Greek, it talks about those who are alive and remain. They're vibrant. They're not lifeless. They're not dead. Pretty self-explanatory. The thing I want you to hear in this is that they are vibrant. They are thriving and not just surviving. Okay? Now, when I say that, that doesn't disqualify those who are surviving. Okay? But I want you to see something that's going to become clear in a minute. That Jesus is looking for a people who are spiritually connected to him, that are vibrant. They're excited about this relationship that they have. They're not just sitting on their laurels, shall we say. Amen? He talks about this reference in verse 15, gives us another reference in 2 Thessalonians, and we read that a while ago. And it says, and I'm just going to go back here. You don't have to go with me. In verse 2 and 3, it says this, Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Now, here's the thing. If somebody comes today and says, man, the rapture's already happened, you know they're lying or they're ignorant, (laughs) okay? Be careful. Don't be just like, you're a liar. (laughs) Be like, "Uh, brother, I believe you're ignorant because Thessalonians says that, no, don't believe that. And this is the word of God, right? So it says, don't believe that. Now, listen, verse 3. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. A great rebellion. So what he's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians, he's saying, listen, God's going to come back, and he's looking for these that, the, those of us who are, uh, have remained and we're alive. Okay, He's looking for those people. And he's saying, listen, there's going to be a defection from the faith. I don't know if you've been watching the same news I've been watching. I don't know if you've been on the same YouTube I've been on. But there looks like there is a huge falling away from God. God is, we are in an era of time right now that Christianity is actually in the decline. All throughout that last day, throughout all those ages, it's been on the incline. And now it's starting to kind of some say it's plateauing some say it has a you know when you start talking about mathematical things statistically well it's only 1% or 2% that's not very much and blah, blah 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 whatever okay but it looks like from historically speaking christianity is somewhat in a decline and you have to define that listen i've been saying for a long time be careful of any person or group of people that will take a word that already has been defined take it as their own and give it their own definition We're going to see that that's a mark of the end times, a mark of the last days, and we see that. So he's saying, look, there's going to be this, the first thing that's going to happen is that there's going to be this great falling away, and we're going to talk about this later in more depth. Luke 18, 8, says this, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? He's asking a question, and we think that's kind of dumb. Of course he's going to find faith on the earth. We're here, right? So then it goes in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 18.8 is referring back to Luke 17.26 that says this. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Who was righteous in the days of Noah? Only Noah and his family. There was a bunch of people on the earth at that time, but Jesus did not find any faith. You say, well, Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. Well, actually, he was, (laughs) okay? But that's for a later date. But the Lord says, he looks down and he goes, man, if I don't intervene, it's going to get bad. (laughs) I'm not going to have a line to bring the Messiah through. So remember, Old Testament types and shadows New Testament revelation, okay? So we're seeing this. Jesus is asking, will I find any faith? To find faith, Jesus says this. Excuse me, the Greek. And forgive my Greek. I'm not studying Greek, okay? Um, that'd be way too much for me, all right? Horisco is the Greek word. It means to discover, especially after searching, usually made due to an intense investigation. Now, here's the kicker. So, in the Greek, if you study the Greek, if you study uh, the verses I just gave you, and I highly suggest that you do, when you look at it, there is a word there called ho or he, all right, H-O-H-E, and it means it's a definite article. Now, I did not like English, okay? So, for those who want to start diagramming all these things and all that kind of stuff, have at it. I got to use smart people stuff, right? I just borrow from them. But this definite article is used in this phrase, and it, it, it makes the translation more accurate. Will I find the faith? Not will I find faith, but will I find the faith? The faith. In other words, when I come back, will I, will I find a church that is still Teaching the faith. Well, I find the people that are still believing the faith. He's looking to find a remnant of people who are still spiritually vibrant. Those who remain and are alive, those who are vibrant. Those who have stayed the course and were vibrant. Well, brother, I just don't, I just don't know. Listen, I'm going to drop some heavy revelation on you here the next couple, three weeks. I'm telling you, some of you are going to be like, I don't know if I like you anymore. But it's okay. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, those who are still alive when the Lord returns, we're going to meet him ahead of those who have died. Verse 16 says, for the Lord himself will come down. Now listen to this, to come down, parousia. Now listen to this, it means the moment when Christ comes to collect his people at the end of the age. This term is also used to refer to the second coming of Christ. The difference is the context of the passage and what is being dealt with in that moment, okay? In the moment of 1 Thessalonians, we're dealing with the rapture of the church, okay? Okay? It also means this. When it talks about coming down, it also refers to a technical term that was used to describe a royal visit of a king or an emperor. The arrival of one who alone can deal with the situation and set things in order, put things straight. He's going to begin that at the rapture. That's going to happen. So we see the... Rapture reference when we see it when we see in verse 16 when it talks about that we're going to be gathered together, okay. Excuse me, verse 17 when it talks about being gathered together, <clears throat> there again, without going into a whole lot of uh, Greek detail and what words mean and how they put things together, um, it, you don't have to trust me, go study it yourself, okay. Matter of fact, the Bible says study to show yourself approved, right, unto God. I think some of our confusion comes from, well, my grandma always taught me, right? Or I always heard, and I very rarely hear people say, well, as I studied, here's what I found out, right? So when people start with, I've heard, and don't get me wrong. There have been things that I have heard and I have thought were true, and after I studied them, I realized that either I was absolutely right or I was absolutely wrong. There have been things I've had to change my mind on. That's okay because we're all in this thing together. We're all moving, right? We're all letting the, the word of the Lord come in and speak to us and say, man, if I was wrong in that, Lord, man, I repent, right? I want to be in the right place. I want to be spiritually vibrant. It says that he's going to descend. This is a compound word meaning to step or to come down, to move downward from a higher place to a lower place with a dominating force. Again, to begin to put things in order. I love this part. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will raise from the grave Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Stop there for just a minute. To shout. The Lord himself is going to come down, and he's going to make this shout. It's a direct shout or command used to arouse horses, chariots, hounds, hunters, rowers, masters of ship. What does that sound like? Boys, we're getting ready. (laughs) I remember you got to look at this from kind of a military mind, okay? We're fixing to go to war. Like, we're fixing to have seven years of some really cool stuff. We're going to get trained. We're going to get equipped. We're going to go to school. We're going to have a marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to get judged, all that stuff. But as we're doing all that, he is equipping us for war. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but the second coming, we're coming back with him. Jude says ten thousands upon ten thousands. And he goes, well, that's just 20,000. No, 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 you don't understand the expression there. It's, that's Exponential. That's like you can't count them, numbers. So militarily, um, when I got out of the military and came home, I'm a civilian now, right? If you've ever been in the military, you know there's a kind of hard transition between military life and civilian life, right? You're like, nobody's telling me to brush my teeth, so I guess I don't have to. (laughs) But I remember the first probably a, a good solid month, I would lay in bed. I'd be asleep. And all of a sudden, in my head, I would hear reveille go off. Right? Oh my gosh! And I jump up out of bed. I start throwing my clothes on. I realize I'm in Arkansas. (laughs) We're not we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. (laughs) This shout is to sound an alarm, and the military people are. They're like, "Yes, we're getting ready." Right? You're 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 putting on your gear. You're getting ready. So it's, it, it's used as a military turn uh, uh, or a signal like a trumpet call to muster the troops to action. You've got to read with that understanding what's happening here. We're missing some of these things because we have a Western understanding and we speak English. <laughs> all right. And sometimes these words just don't translate well. He's going to come down with a commanding shout. What's he going to go? Hey! <laughs> no, it, now watch this. With a commanding voice, with a commanding voice, phoné. This is what it says. It's a voice, it's a sound, or it's noise to which depicts the sounds of wings, wind, and water, the sound of a massive multitude, an overwhelming sound. Now, got any duck hunters in here, deer hunters? If you've ever been sitting in a deer stand or you've been hunting ducks and you're on the water and maybe from out in the distance you see, man, here comes, oh, hey, hey, look, here comes a group of ducks. And you're getting ready all of a sudden and you hear this, and it's only 10 ducks. But, man, when they come over you, the sound that their wings make, it'll scare you. I remember going to a, a deer stand one morning, and it was, it was dusk. It was still not light enough to see more than maybe 20 or 30 yards. And as I was going to this stand where I knew it was, I'm walking. And, and as I get there, I thought, man, maybe I should just kind of creep up in here. Because if there's a deer there, I can just wait till the proper time, right, 30 minutes before sunset. I can shoot it. So I'm walking through there. And I'd also started thinking about, like, man, you know, we've seen some coyotes and stuff out there and some bobcats. And at this time, everybody was kind of decide whether or not Arkansas had cats or not, right, like, like mountain lions. If you've ever been in the woods and you heard a lady screaming, you know what I'm talking about, all right? So I'm thinking about all that stuff in my mind. And this little knoll that i got to get up, and I'm thinking I'm just going to creep up this knoll and just peek my head up a little bit so that if there is a deer there, I won't spook it. So, man, I am creeping. I'm like, you know, like there's, you know, I'm doing that thing. And I get just up to that note. I scared up about 15 turkeys. I don't know who flew the highest, them or me. <laughs> the sound that they made, I just thought, man, they got me, whatever that is, right? They got me. I'm surprised that my buddies didn't hear me. Bang, 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 bang. Right? <laughs> Don't sneak up on people in the woods. But this came to mind when I was hearing this this roar. If you've ever been under an amazing waterfall where you're standing next to the person and you can't hear them, this water is just crashing. That's what this is talking about. I mean, the noise is going to be, to us, it's going to be a wonderful sound, but to those who are left behind, it's not going to be that great of a sound. He goes on to say that first the believers who have died will rise in their grave. The dead in Christ shall rise. Anister Sonti to rise up. This is used to depict the rising of kings and rulers. The dead in Christ, they're going to rise up. You ain't just old Tom. You ain't just old Beth. You're a king and a ruler. Getting raised up. And then it says we're going to be caught up. This is one of them words that took me about 30 minutes to say. Harpagesometh. Again, it's a kind of a compound word, but it says to seize, to snatch, to take away, to snatch something suddenly, to snatch out of danger just in the nick of time. This is what's fixing to happen. When I say fixing, okay, like I said, good Arkansas vernacular. When we had that timeline, we were talking about the last days. We were talking about those days that are leading up to the end of this age, okay? And I think in the coming weeks, we're going to see just how close we really are as we begin to bring out what's actually happening around us and what the Greek is actually talking about, what's going to be happening in those days, Let me just say this, at the end of this thing, if you're not encouraged, I promise to give you your money back, okay, guaranteed, better than Walmart, all right, satisfaction guaranteed, but if you can't look at this, because if you come and say, man, I'm not satisfied, we're going to get you saved first, okay, and then we're going to give you your money back, so it says that we're going to meet him in the air to a meeting, the reception to an encounter, a technical word used for the reception of a newly arrived official or royalty. Guess what you're gonna be? You're gonna be a royal priesthood. You're supposed to be it right now. But when we get caught up in the air, all of heaven, you say, who's gonna be noticing that we're kings and rulers? I thought Jesus was, he is. We're gonna be under him, but guess what? The angels are gonna be subject to us. We are going to rule and reign with Christ. So he is, so shall we be, right? On this earth. I'm telling you, there's some, there's some depth of this that I didn't even realize was there. The end times and what Jesus is trying to get us to come along and see. Look, you are supposed to be doing this now. I need to clarify something here before we end. If you'll go with me to 1 Corinthians fifteen, verse twelve, it says this <clears throat> Now if Christ is preached, whoa, hey, yeah. That he has been I'm blanking out. There he is. Fifteen twelve, yes. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Now, Paul's having to deal with some Pharisees and some Sadducees. And if you didn't know why they were called Sadducees, it's because they did not believe in the resurrection of the Lord. That's why they were Sadducee. See? Some of y'all. Oh, my. Oh, my. Now, watch this. I don't have time to go through all of this, okay? Go read this. This is your reading assignment for the week. So let's go to verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? People are wondering, what happens to my body when I die? Paul's addressing it. When he says body, he means flesh, flesh and blood. He's not talking about the body or... Yes, in the Greek, this can metaphorically refer to the body of Christ, but he's not referring that to here. Remember, the Hebrew and the Greek, sometimes the words, the context determines what the usage of the word is. Okay? So don't get that confused. He is talking about the physical body, what happens to it. So watch this. Let's go to verse 48. It says this. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. We're still talking about the body, okay? So let me set some of you at ease before we go too much further. When you die, if you should die before the Lord comes back, they're going to put you in the ground and you are going to decay because this body is corruptible. I've had people ask me all the time, what about cremation? What about it? I just don't think it's godly. Well, let me ask you a question. Men who went to war and got blown up by a bomb, do you think God said, whoops, sorry, guys, you didn't make it? Are you mean to tell me that my God's not big enough? That if they took you in an airplane and scattered you all over this night in the United States, he can't bring you back? Hang on now. Let's go back to this. What about somebody who goes to the grave with no arm or no leg? Or legs or arms, whatever. What if they find somebody and they don't cremate them, but for whatever reason, all of their body's not there? It don't matter. It's corruptible. It's going to decay. You say, well, what happens to the person? Are they in heaven? Yes. Your spirit and your soul immediately go to heaven if you're saved. You are with the Lord. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.8 says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He wants us to know that. He wants us to take comfort. Remember, what was Paul saying? I don't want you to be ignorant about this, people. Because guess what? They were asking the same questions you was asking. What happens to my body? (laughs) Right? Well... I was, I was talking to someone, and, and um, they were talking about, well, I think we're going to get cremated. I said, you are? Yeah. Why that? and said, man, the thought of just being on the ground and worms eating me, ooh. And I'm like, you ain't going to know. <laughs> you ain't going to know. You're worm food anyway. <laughs> so we are talking about flesh. Don't worry about cremation. Don't worry about missing body parts. All that stuff's going to be taken care of, and we're going to see that here in just a second. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Paul talking. Watch this. To behold is do in the Greek. And it means bewilderment, shock, amazement. The original shock and awe. Paul's on the scene and he's like, behold, he's making emphasis, I'm fixing to shock and all you, and they're like, what? He says, look, we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed, and they're like, oh, what are you talking about, Paul? It goes on, it says, it says this. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret, verse 51. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Now, watch this. It's in your Bible, if you have a King James or a New King James, it probably says, Let me show you or show you, S H O W S E W S U, all right, which that's that good old Elizabethan English. The word in the Greek is lego, means I say, not show. Mysteries are revealed by speech. Let me say that again. Mysteries are revealed by speech. That's why the prophetic word has such a powerful impact. When you have a word of knowledge for someone, you speak to them. And you tell them about something that was in the past or maybe something they shouldn't know, right, or that you shouldn't know. And you speak that. You are revealing a mystery by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why people that serve another god... They can actually be very precise in the words that they speak. You ever seen these shows on TV where the guy's a taxi cab driver or whatever, but he's a soothsayer, whatever you want to call it? People get in town and say, Hey, man, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm picking up some your grandma Beth. Oh, my gosh. Don't be deceived. Who told you that? Well, my God. Who's your God? <laughs> Test the spirits, it says. So those people have a real gift. They're just plugged to the wrong source. We've talked about this before. You have have angels that have been assigned to you keep you safe. That's why Psalms 91 says he has given charge. The angel has been given charge over you. Well, guess what? The enemy has things or has imps and stuff that have somewhat been assigned to you too. We call those familiar spirits. They know about you. But it means that mysteries are revealed by the speech shall be changed. Now watch this. Whew, mouthful, means to change or to exchange one thing for another, to be transformed, is what this means. Then we have this word, moment. I'm going to go through a couple of these, and then I'm, I'm going to come to the last one. I'm, I'm going to talk about these, and I'll come back to, to it in just a minute. So we shall be changed in the moment. The Greek word there is atomos, where we get the word Adam. It's an individual moment, a split second, an instant, something tiny or microscopic. It is a very small period of time. And it says in the twinkling of an eye, ripa ripa means to twitch, so fast it's almost undetectable. If your eye twitches, before you can turn to someone and say, "Did you see my eye twitch? It's gone." Not to mention the fact that your eye twitches like that. Now, some of you, right, you get that eyelash in your eye and you just stay twitching forever. You ever had a muscle twitch? And it's over. Like, Whoa, what was that? It's talking about in a moment's notice. Remember, God said, let everything be established in the mouths of two or more witnesses, right? He's showing us in a couple places here. This is what's fixing to happen. Thessalonians and here's in Corinthians. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Let me reveal. Let me speak to you what's going to happen. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and those who are living also will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. Let me tell you this. So what's going to happen? There's been some confusion about this too. When the Lord comes and the, and the trumpet sounded, the dead in Christ are going to get up out the grave. Now, here's the thing. Let's go back to people that we don't even know where they are, people that have been lost in wars yeah, you know, they're still out there somewhere. Probably by now, there's not much left of them, right? Um, there have been people that maybe have uh, died at sea. All these places. All those places are going to give up those who are dead in Christ. You don't talk about a scene. And it sh- in one part of this, I didn't mention this. In one part of this, it says that when he comes back and he reveals, it's going to be an open thing. It's not going to be like, you're not going to be like, oh. Where'd Bobby go? It's going to be like, boom, and we're going to be like, oh, did, did you, you thought the Miami thing was crazy? Huh? You thought the Miami thing was crazy? You just wait, right? I mean, people start disappearing, and when I say disappearing, I'm talking like, whoa, whoa crazy, 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 okay? Well, I don't believe in that. You're entitled to that. Good luck to that. It says, when the trump is blown, some of you are going to put some stuff together here. The trump is a pinks. It's a war trumpet that boldly announces God's victory, the vanquishing of his enemies. Remember, when he comes to set things in order, you go, but, but they don't die then. He's coming to set things in order. He's coming to set things in order. If you're not hearing me by now, none of this touches us. i tell you this. I didn't mean to tell you this. I wasn't going to tell you this until later. But I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you this. Type in shadow. The Old Testament, we see this guy named Noah. And remember, it says, so shall it be in the days of Noah, Right? Noah was righteous. The Lord says, I'm fixing to destroy the earth and its inhabitants because of they're not making the choices that they need to be making. God is good. He gave them 120 years to get their act together. Okay? The Bible says that he put Noah on the ark. Noah went on the ark, but it says God put Noah on the ark. How was the door sealed? On the outside. God sealed it, right? Noah and his family was on the ark for seven days. Seven. 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 (laughs) Just want you to see the emphasis there, okay? He was on the ark for seven days, and then the flood came. The ark is representing God's salvation. They went into God's salvation, and they were protected from the destruction that was coming upon the earth. Now, God had to keep them there because they were gonna repopulate the earth, okay? But they were in God's ark, which is a type and shadow of the rapture of the church. They're in it for seven days. It's there. Go look it up yourself. Boldly announces that the vanquish of his enemies at the onset of the military campaign, we ain't waiting to the end. God's gonna blow the trumpet at the beginning. I win. (laughs) Prophetically, it depicts that moment when a trumpet was blasted to instigate war and to declare the intended triumph and victory even at the outset of the war. When God blows that trumpet, he's calling us that will remain and those who are dead in Christ to be home with him forever. All right? But he's also saying, hey, you want war? I'll show you. He's instigating it. I'll bring it. I'm going to bring it to you. We also call this last day period the grace period of the grace age. At that point in time, whoo, it's going to be gracious. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all of God's grace and stuff leaves. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit will still be here. This, is a, this was a thing that I used to believe, okay, that the Holy Spirit was going to be taken out. You come back the next couple of weeks, we're going to explain this, all right? Let me just tell you this. We know that because there are going to be people that are going to be saved during the tribulation. You cannot get saved without the Holy Spirit, okay? So, that was a teaching that I was taught that was not necessarily correct, okay? Now, it was used in the Old Testament for moments when God summoned his people to war. (laughs) The incorruptible flesh, epithartos. You can come on Mara. Something that is incapable of decay, incapable of suffering the effects of wear, tear, and age. It's timeless. It is immortal. It is indestructible. I pose this question. Did Jesus model to us what our bodies would look like in heaven after his being raised from the dead, his ascension, and he came back? Remember, did he not tell Thomas, touch me? Put your fingers in my holes. Look, it's where the nails went. Do you not feel me? Did he not eat? Not that he had to eat, but did he eat? He was a physical person, but he went through a wall. Well, but he was Jesus. Okay, as he is, so shall we be? I mean, just look at this room—the diversity. We've got young, oh, brand new babies. We got all this stuff, right? We got. I said, some with hair, some without hair. I better leave it alone right there. <laughs> Our bodies will be perfected in an instant. I believe we will have physical bodies. We're not going to be giant babies with diapers floating around. We're probably not going to be playing harps. We will be making music. We will be worshiping. This is the rapture of the church that we're rapidly speeding towards, rapidly. And like I said, the next couple of weeks, we're going to start diving into what are these last days? What do they look like? I wanted to set this foundation for you of what is the rapture of the church before we start talking about these things so you'll know, ah, okay, that makes sense now. Has this helped anybody? Amen. Stand with me. Sometimes we have to slow down and all of the spitting and yelling and fire and all that stuff, and we got to be like, okay, let's slow down a little bit. Let's talk about this. Under the power of the unction of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to know, it should give you great comfort. Some of you have heard, well, I, my, my grandma believed in mid-trib rapture. Well, my grandpa believed in post-trib rapture. Well, my brother's sister's cousin's uncle didn't believe in a rapture at all. This is why I'm saying you better know what you believe. you got to be established in what you believe. And you better be able to back it up with Scripture. And not just some off-the-wall mental gymnastics, Okay. I'm talking about getting in the Word, studying it to show yourself approved so that when men ask you, because I'm telling you, there's coming a time quickly, men are going to start asking you, what is happening? What is happening? Maybe even as quick as this year. What's happening? This is what God talked about. Well, you know, I I go to church, and I'm telling you, I'm fixing to drop a heavy revie on you here in a week or so, and you're going to be like, Make sure to know y'all got rocks in your pockets when you get here. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word is true. Your word is right. Your word can be trusted. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your uh, word declares that before all of this was ever begun, your word was there. And, Father, we understand completely that your word became flesh and dwelt among us. Call his name Jesus, Yeshua. We thank you so much for that. That we can put all of our hope, all of our trust in this word. And we thank you for that. Father, as we leave this place, I pray that the shalom peace of God would come over us. That we would be excited about the things that are coming. About the things you have done. That where you're leading us, what we're walking into, we walk in with our eyes wide open. And we say yes to your plan. Thank you, Lord thank you so much. We love you. We honor you. Father, I bless these people in the name of Jesus. Amen.